Welcome to Knives Out Minute. I am your host, Brian Lynch, and my guest for this week is Michael. We are at minute number seven of the movie, going from six minutes even to six minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, and it's an exciting time, isn't it, Michael? It is. So much happens just in this one minute. It's especially one of the most important elements of any murder mystery, the characters, the yes. witnesses, the victims, the suspects. And it's there's always that, that moment where they front load you with uh, characters and you have to, like, peer at every single thing in the background. You know, the beginning of Murder <laughs> on the Orient Express, when you're going through the train station, you're like, oh, look at all these people. Oh, that one's Michael York. Oh, that one's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, you know he's going to be famous. He's wearing a big white fur coat. Um, that one's that woman who looks like Felicity Jones, but it's not Felicity Jones. There we go. And that one's uh, uh, Alfred Molina. There we go. <laughs> There's Michelle Pfeiffer, who I know on site because I'm just so glad anytime she gets work. You ever see the uh, the Alfred Molina version of Murder on the Orient Express? It's awful. Is it? The, is that the one with David Suchet, or no. is that a? No, Molina is Poirot, and <laughs> it was made for TV in, like, 1996, and it's updated to the modern day, and it's awful. Oh, no! <laughs> but there's, like, a scene where he's getting on a train, and he's like, ah, this is such an old-fashioned mode of conveyance. I truly feel that I belong in this time period. And I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> if you set this when it was supposed to take place, we wouldn't have to make all sorts of stupid excuses for why everyone's cell phones don't work. <laughs> Literally, there's a line in the movie where they go, Are you Mr. Perot? And it's like, Oh, uh, Perot? Like the American presidential candidate? No, no, no. Hey, <laughs> a detective from Belgium it's... would obviously know about a presidential candidate. Well, it was the only... one who doesn't make it. <laughs> it was the only time a third party guy got onto the debate stage. Um, <laughs> the uh, this is, But the, we're talking about a good movie. Um right. <laughs> So yes, as uh, as Linda starts telling uh, the story, um, uh, first of all, which which I quite love, is that Lieutenant Elliot uh, asked if it was you know a uh, uh, if she had had a good time. She's like, oh, what uh, the party before my dad died? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> she's so upset with him for asking that question, and mm -hmm. she's not upset about like any other question. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't have a character answer for that. I just noticed it, and it felt weird. <laughs> Well, I think what we could say is she has very little tolerance for, you know, um, BS. Uh, and so, like, for such a stupid, polite conversation for a guy who is clearly there to ask questions surrounding, you know, the death of her father, which, well, well I, I, I don't want to say exactly what the uh, they believe it is at present, because that would count as spoilers, but... Yeah, but I think it's fair to say without spoilers that mm -hmm. Lieutenant Elliot is follows a line of questioning. He mm -hmm. notices he hits a nerve and then like a good detective mind follows that follows yes. that nerve, you know, along cuz he he asks her these questions like you and your husband both own your business and she's like, "No, I own my business. <laughs> my husband is just here to say curse words on the cell phone to our son." <laughs> My husband was just there to be a uh, very charming character actor that uh, you know, <laughs> at least one of the hosts of this podcast personally hopes will win an Oscar uh, someday, <laughs> just because I think it would be funny given the Miami Vice connection. Or, uh... he's, so, he's 
just so funny. Like, every time, he's one of those actors when he shows up in a role, I'm like, oh, hey, there you are. <laughs> and he's always just charismatic. He's a very watchable actor. <laughs> I was just watching him on um, uh, the uh, series of Unfortunate Events. I was rewatching that. And oh. um, he's, he's so good on that. Oh, gosh. I, oh, man, I really need to, I really need to finish that. Oh, well, that, it's got such a incredible cast. And, like, every time a new actor shows up, you're like, oh, that guy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's phenomenally good. It's kind of like this movie. For yeah, instance. basically. For instance, yes, let's let's talk about them. Um, yeah. So Fran, the housekeeper, who has, fun fact about Fran, uh, she has slept with a very hairy man, and he was really hairy, even in comparison to all the Italian guys she has dated. <laughs> this is information she is giving to a 16-year-old boy at her employer's party. I don't know why. Fran has very little filter. We will find out. Fran is um, always a little bit inhibited one way or another. And I appreciate that about her. We have technically seen Fran already, but this is when we're properly getting in. She was the one that dropped the tray at the beginning. Um, But this is the first time she's getting... Well, that's what I was wondering. like, Do we count now... And this is maybe why I should have listened to last week's episodes. <laughs> but but our <laughs> vibe is... has a name, right? Our like vibe is unpreparedness. Um, <laughs> she does catch that tray, though. Like, she does. She got shot, but she caught that tray like a champ. Like a, like a goddamn professional. Um, oh. <laughs> see, I think we can get away with that. We said, we said ass in the last one, but we were quoting the movie. I guess technically I was also quoting the movie when I said that we said it. <laughs> We'll, I guess, we'll fix I guess, it in post. We'll fix it in post. The it's audience fine. will find out if there was a lot of bleeps in what I just said. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I was saying, I think she's not introduced, but Fran is named as yeah. the housekeeper. So I, th- I think we count. But then we also see, you know, this sixteen-year-old uh, she's talking to. You uh, will find out who he is later. We see, you know, uh, Linda's brothers uh, and her uh, sister-in-law in the background. Um, we see, uh, Donna who, we see Donna in the background, which is where she lives for most of the movie because her subplot got cut for time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, what she was... had a whole thing. I mean, I, I shouldn't say because, you know, okay. it, that would fall under the umbrella of spoilers. I'll mention it on Friday. Um, good, good, good. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, but uh, if you watch the deleted scenes, like on the DVD or the Blu-ray, she's got, um, uh, she, she's got more to do there. Uh, and well, I like her. She's, she's played by uh, Ricky Lindholm. Yeah, from. There's a lot of comedic actors in this in the background, like playing mm-hmm. background comedic roles. Like it's a very good use of like what I would say is maybe like C-list comedians. It's an excellent utilization of them. They are, um, and, and in general, this is a cast that's very good for comedy. Even like the dramatic actors that are included, like you know, they've got plenty of comedy experience, or they're good at it. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis famously, you know, yes. <laughs> um, and, and so because for a movie like this, you need, you, you trust funny people to be serious more than you trust serious people to be funny, especially yeah. in this type of story. Anybody who's worked in theater can tell you that, like, mm-hmm. what's easy, drama, what's hard, comedy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is a hundred percent true. This is also uh, as um, Linda's introducing everybody. She mentions Marta, which is this is officially the first time um, the detectives are officially hearing of her. Uh, this is also the first time we get the running gag where nobody in the Thromby family knows what country Marta's family is from. Yeah, they just keep picking random like mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just any, offensive a, countries out of the air. Anything south of Texas is they're like, oh yeah, her family's from there. Her family's from uh, it was Ecuador in this case. Yeah. They all seem quite confident every time they say it. Yeah, they, and they all say it with this air of like, yeah, she told me, she shared that personal information with me because we're so close, as if like where your fa- as if like one an inaccurate answer to where your family is from is some sort of like intimate detail. Yes. It's uh they try so hard to make it look like they love her mm-hmm. despite the fact that she's the help and they're just all such clear jerks. Yep. They are 100%. And I I'll I say I'll say this for them. Some insults that are not <laughs> R-rated. Yes, your incredibly <laughs> profane use of the uh, the the jerk word. Uh, <laughs> I should, you know, I've been reading Regency romance novels. I should say he's a cat. He's a darn cat. I'll say he's a bounder. That one. Bad form. Bad form all around. <laughs> the um, uh, we also meet, and this is the uh, the the next character that gets properly introduced with the name uh, Juanetta Thromby, uh, as played by. Uh, noted actor Kay Callen um, who is I think slightly younger than Christopher Plummer but is playing his mother in this <laughs> that's wonderful what an, and without giving too much away this character I um, this character doesn't do a whole lot in this film but she like... is six years younger than him I looked it up Oh my god! <laughs> yep. She's really just here for this joke of like, there's somebody in the house that's older than the person mm-hmm. dying. Yeah, because she says it's Harlan's mother, and then like, you know, Elliot's like, "Sorry, mother? Like, how could not possibly have heard that, right?" And he says, "How, how old, old is she?" she? No, no one knows. No one knows. Sorry, nobody. <laughs> it's uh, great, and you believe it. And she's she's a great actor, and you know she's. The character is very mentally out of it, and so she's normally just sits hunched up, covered in like a big pile of old lady clothes, staring off into the middle distance. She looks as if somebody mistook her for a coat rack and just threw coats onto her, but it's all just her coat. It's just her sitting there at the door. She's and she's she's hilarious because her comedy timing is like so on point. And then we very briefly see we don't even get a good look at his face. Uh, Chris Evans is ransom again. I'll let whoever handles his actual introduction uh, take point on that. But you know we do good see him walking that. out, and then she's just staring out. And just, ransom, are you leaving? <laughs> Doesn't say anything to her. Mm-hmm. I think he like hands her. Does he? He just picks up his coat and leaves. Right? He doesn't hand her cake. I she just, just has cake. She had no. It's um the um um uh, Meg handed her the cake earlier. Oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. You know, it's very uh, another character we technically we haven't track on this cake. The cake is the key. Well, that's the thing. You're doing a murder mystery. You don't know what's going to be important as you go through. <laughs> it might be the cake. It's not the cake. So <laughs> sorry if I should. Talk- sorry if I should have saved that for Spoiler Friday, but. <laughs> I do want to talk about Ransom's quote-unquote little introduction here mm-hmm. since we're at it. And I, I'm realizing this because it's so similar to the way that, like, Benoit has been quote-unquote introduced. We're seeing flashes of him. We're mm-hmm. seeing him sort of in the background. Um, he's kind of blurry, which is a big deal because it's Chris Evans' face. And if you've paid for Chris Evans' face, you're going to film Chris Evans' face. Yeah, it's this, in the budget. This is a movie full of huge stars. I would say he's... 
not the biggest star in the movie. That would probably still be Jamie Lee Curtis, but he's the biggest star in the movie, if that makes sense. That The way I phrase well, it certainly would, doesn't. But. I would argue certainly his star power against any combination of like yeah. the other actors certainly can't live up. But it, mm-hmm. it is a very interesting choice in that, like, most movies I see Chris Evans in, like, including Captain America, where he is supposed to be a superhero wearing a mask, you see so much of his face. And it's purely <laughs> just because, like, somebody paid a lot of money. Yeah. Multiple people, probably, including Chris Evans himself, might have paid a lot of money for that face. We have to film it. But you they get... take a chance so many things in superhero movies. The big thing is at the end of every uh, the classic Spider-Man movies, Tobey Maguire Toby whipped that mask off his face at any opportunity. Um, <laughs> well, I because think... at the time, Tobey Maguire certainly thought of himself as sort of <laughs> Chris <laughs> Evans getting on my franchise super movie in the making. I don't want to rag on Tobey Maguire too much, but in those movies, boy, you sure can tell that there's a jaw built into that Spider-Man mask. <laughs> He puts that thing on and he has got a chin you could cut ice with. And then he takes it off and he's Tobey Maguire. Who's fine. He's not an unattractive person. but I don't know what your experience was with those first Spider-Man movies. But mine certainly was. I was obsessed with Spider-Man. I was raised on the cartoon. My brothers mm-hmm. and I had video games. We had all the memorabilia. And we were like, look, we have to go see this Spider-Man movie. Even though we don't care about Dr. Octopus. Because... They, if we hold out, eventually they'll put Venom in a movie, who was, like, <laughs> our favorite of the Spider-Man and a, Rogues gallery. And a monkey's yeah. paw curls a finger. <laughs> right? <laughs> see, now, me, I had the opposite, because I have oh, always been... I soared before the wax melted my wings. <laughs> I've never been much of a Venom guy myself. Like, I think he's fine. I certainly didn't... I liked him more than I liked Carnage. But, like, his whole, like... <laughs> referring to himself third person plural thing was like always like a little like you know up itself to me whereas dr octopus i was always like this guy's the guy why is everybody sleeping on dr octopus so (laughs) for me it was always mysterio there was actually like so time traveling back into the 90s when to read comics if you weren't rich enough to like have a subscription to comics basically the only comics you could read were ones that you like found at a garage sale Mm -hmm. or the six you and your friends all just had individually that you like traded around i got lucky and my uh, my local library had a couple of subscriptions so i was actually able to follow month to month that was god bless libraries yes Um, well, so for a while, the only Spider-Man comics I read had Mysterio as the villain. So for the very longest time, I thought that that was like his Joker, you know, like, how come you don't see Mysterio? He's like the number one Spider-Man villain. <laughs> Forget about whoever shot his uncle. Who cares about that petty theft? This, this the guy's guy. got this a fishbowl on his head and smoke. Ah, you did. You did eventually get him, though. Um, yeah. Know, and I gotta say, I'm not disappointed. But yeah. this isn't a podcast about the Spider-Man legend, is I it? I mean, the thing is, you get you get a bunch of A-list stars in a movie, and superhero movies are going to come up eventually. That's where the culture is right now. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate. <laughs> Things used to be different. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there's two. There's uh, two James Bond actors in this movie too, because Ana de Armas is going to be in the next one. <gasps> oh, I didn't hear about that. That's oh, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little, little reunion movie for them, presumably playing much less interesting characters. Sorry, James you know, Bond, you're no Benoit Blanc. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> I um well so also so uh plot point because we're also supposed to talk about little plot points that show up because we're supposed to here... talk about knives out right <laughs> I hope it's not too jarring me trying to drag us back but I do feel no like it's all I good it's all good of course <laughs> this is the vibe oh good good of course is the vibe all right we're gonna come <laughs> back onto target mm-hmm. like the knives okay um ransom attended but he left early we see him walking out angrily after having clearly talked to harlan but we don't know what was said or why he stormed out and felt the need to leave early but for whatever reason he also felt the need to not come to the funeral Mm -hmm. or and we haven't seen him at these interviews yet now have we ha interesting what a mysterious character uh, the scene ends with uh, the uh, mysterious person of whom we have only seen body parts, Mr. Rachel Weiss himself. Uh, <laughs> see, it's catching on. Um, reaching out and hitting a key on the piano. Everybody is slightly thrown off by this, and Detective Elliot asks if everyone showed up to the party at the same time. That is our final line, and that is where we end the scene for today. Uh, do we have anything else to add, or shall we get on to our question? Um, yeah, we can move to the question. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> we well, had so much already. Honestly, so. the thing is, we've kind of already covered this, because the Tuesday question is our general feelings about murder mystery films, and I love them. <laughs> oh, me too. So positive. I mm-hmm. love, I, I really do love murder mystery kind of anything, so long as it falls in, like, the cozy genre. I'm not really, I never really got on, like, like I don't know, Switzerland's, Netherlands mystery train that everybody was on about five years ago. Oh, yeah, um, no, the, the, the more serious a mystery is, the less I care about it. I, give me fluffy and light, and ideally, the detective should have a silly accent. Absolutely. For example, my favorite, my favorite, and it's so hard to pick a favorite, but mm-hmm. favorite detective ever is, of course, Angela Lansbury's J.B. <laughs> Fletcher of Murder, She Wrote. There, it, we actually, I think it's so brave for people to continue to make television shows when we've already peaked with Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> Like, Game of Thrones, cool. But have you seen Angela Zanjberry solve a mystery in Maine? Have uh, you? <laughs> I would tell you this. I, I, I have not seen much Murder, She Wrote. Um, uh, although what I have seen, I have absolutely loved. And the fact that there was never a Columbo crossover episode is a crime. Um, oh. <laughs> I know. How great would that have been? Put those two with each other? I, I do have a Columbo fact, though. Oh, by all means, please. This is something I need everybody to know about. It's one of those niche facts that is just very important to me, everyone hear of. So, did you know that the show Columbo had a short-lived 13-episode spinoff? I do know this. Please continue. I love it. (laughs) About Columbo's wife, Kate, going around solving mysteries. The um, The show went through several different titles, but the one I always refer to it is as Kate Colombo solves a mystery, starring powerhouse of Star Trek fame, uh, Kate Mulgrew, uh, uh, Captain Janeway, who's uh, she's playing Kate Colombo. So I want you to look at Peter Falk, yeah. who can, let me be clear, who can still get it. I know he's dead. I was going to say, I, 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 I hope he doesn't, but I suppose he could. <laughs> is great very handsome Columbo is quite charming I can see why someone mm-hmm. would marry him but there is a huge age difference yeah she's gotta be like 25 years younger than him 
<laughs> and it's like, wow, what a weird life Columbo must have led to have married a woman who was half his age and then, like, just leaves her at home to solve her own version of homicides while he does it <laughs> with his basset hound. Well, the weird, the very weird thing about that show also is that, like you said, it was 13 episodes long. It was originally called uh, Mrs. Mrs. Columbo, and then it was Kate Columbo, and then it was Kate Detective. Uh, and then there was the, the last one was Kate Loves a Mystery. Is but so it went through literally five titles over 13 episodes, um, and and so that's that's crazy enough on its own. But they changed her name halfway through the run. <laughs> Not so this. when the show became Kate Loves a Mystery, um, uh, when, it, when it became Kate the Detective, um, <laughs> they changed her name to Callahan. <laughs> so it was like it was it was it was like did they just think they had the rights to Columbo when the show started, and then somebody told them they didn't or something? Because bringing back to the Venom conversation, it was kind of like how Fox came out and was like, Venom's part of the MCU. And the mouse had to come out and say, excuse me? No, it's not. We didn't agree to that. And Fox was like, too late. We said it publicly. Whoops. Can we please put Michael Keaton in Venom too? Fine. <laughs> All right. I guess Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton was paid, so. so why does the, every podcast I host turn into talking about Venom? because <laughs> it's important <laughs> it's important all right well that'll wrap us up for uh this oh i did uh, mean to say by the way i mean i'll i'll have further opportunities but speaking about general feelings on murder mystery films um i just want to uh, recommend one uh which is the um the 1982 uh version of evil under the sun uh it stars peter ustinov as poirot and he's he, he's not alfred molina bad but he's pretty bad <laughs> um <laughs> But in the supporting cast, you've got Maggie Smith, Roddy McDowell, James Mason, and Diana Rigg. And it seems like all four of them said, I think I'm going to use this performance to become a really campy, over-the-top, gay icon sort of actor. And then, when they, <laughs> and then when they saw that everybody else was doing it, they just decided to double down and triple down and try even harder. And so it is the wildest performances you get in that movie. So. so you're saying they all behaved like actors. Yes, exactly. This this they were not acting, they were acting. <laughs> I love the things that sort of seem sacred to like English actors to sort of like, this is gonna be my role, this is what I cut my teeth on, but it really is just like you know, that camcorder BBC nineties kind mm -hmm. of camera. Like you're you're on a you're on like a PBS miniseries. Oh yeah, yeah. Darling, I've... it's not that serious. English actors love to work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could get Ben Kingsley to come over to my house tomorrow if I offered him <laughs> twenty bucks. To do a Well you should because I have a lot of questions for him. <laughs> uh yes, first of all, what it's like being the greatest villain in all of Marvel films. Um, <laughs> all right well that's it for us um uh please do plug your show once more oh yeah so i'm michael you can uh find me at the k bay podcast that's k-b-a-e podcast uh me and my we're on spotify we're on i guess we're on itunes now at one point in the last year we got on itunes so Ooh, world's our oyster we're k bay podcast we watch korean dramas and then we talk about them <laughs> world's your oyster a shakespeare reference drama teacher <laughs> 
so don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Knives Out Minute. Uh, please do rate, review, subscribe, smash that like button. Um, and uh, that's that. I'll uh, I'll see you tomorrow, Michael.